Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Gospel. Hey, what's gospel mean? Good news, right? Good news, good news, good news. Everybody say this. Say, there's no bad news to the good news. All right? That's so simple. It takes church to complicate it. Right? I said there's no bad news to the good news. And so um, if it's your first time here, I want to say welcome to you. And just by a show of hands, do we have any first-time guests or maybe haven't been here a long time by a show of hands? Anybody at all? See a couple of hands. See one, two, three, four, five, six. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're honored to have you guys here. And I trust that you've already been impacted uh, just from what we've been a part of already. So if you didn't know this, we are a new covenant-based church. Well, what does that mean? It's the last thing Jesus said before, on his last night with the disciples before going to his mock trials. He said, I'm creating a new covenant with you. And sad to say, um, most believers in Christ have not explored what that is, but, but we're learning a more excellent way. And so uh, we just honor Jesus. So for the last, I think, three weeks, we've been talking about one word, and that word is encounters. And I, I told someone this morning, I said, you know, I didn't like, like plan on, I'm going to preach a series on encounters. Um, it wasn't like that, uh, not with me anyway, but the Lord has just kind of led us this way. For the last, I think it's been, my, has it been four weeks since the Asbury movement started? Has it been about four weeks, roughly? I think anybody aware of what's happening on college campuses around the nation, I think it's been right at four weeks. And so I didn't even, I didn't recognize it, um, but I think that's why the last four, four weeks have been a little bit unique for us here, that the Lord's just pouring out in his own way. You know, what's funny is when you get into the gospel, you learn this, even though all of God has been poured out to us, he still pours more out. Like you didn't get half of God when you got him. Right? Right? Our kids didn't get a portion, but when they get 18, they get another portion. It's not like, you know, our kids got Holy Ghost decaffeinated and we, we got Holy Ghost caffeinated. It doesn't work that way. Right? They, God gave us all of Him when He gave us Himself, right? Romans 5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad in all of our hearts by of the Holy Spirit. How much of God's been shed abroad? All of God in our hearts. But yet, God is the only person that can. Fully be here, yet he keeps arriving. It's so quiet here. You can hear what? A moth pee on a cotton ball right now. He's here, but yet he's still coming. Right? John the Baptist said of Jesus, this is he who was preferred before me, but now he's here. Like, what are you talking about, John? That's the beauty of the gospel, man, the beauty of God. Oh, if you brought your instruction manuals, I want to look at John chapter 4. Um, and we're going to talk about the woman at the well. I know I, I gave you her story last week in a nutshell, and then I read to you what church history says she went on to do with her life. And if you want a recap of that, her name is St. Fotini, P-H-O-T-I-N-I. If you just Google St. Fotini, you can look up some interesting things on her, but I want to kind of dig in her story a little bit today, if that's okay. Take about three hours and we'll be done. We won't be very long before you today. Um, John chapter four. Uh, I really, man, I want to read so much. Let me just read this. 
Let me read the other passages I gave you. Is that Katie in the back? No, Miss Sherry. I think I sent them to Katie, but so I don't know if they ever got to you or not, Miss Sherry. Uh, but I'm going I'm to read a lot out of John 4. But I want to read John 7, 37 through, I think, 39. Maybe the end of the chapter. John 7, 37 through 39. Yeah, John 7, 37 through 39. Then I'm going to read Isaiah 55. And then we'll go to John 4. But first, John 7, 37, 38, and 39. Here's how it reads. John 7, 37, 38, and 39. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone what? Come on, one more time. If anyone what? Let him what? To me and what? First, there's a prerequisite of a thirst. Then there's a coming. And then there's a drinking. Watch this. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow what? Of what? Living water. Not, not, not a river. It's plural. Multiple rivers of living water. And just so we know what he's talking about. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit or the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, God's pneuma, whom those believing in him would receive. Let me ask you this. How many here believe in Jesus? So you receive the Spirit. It's so quiet in here. Anyway, I'm just, <laughs> so you've, you've received the Spirit of God yet. For those that would believe in him, he says, they would receive him. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Meaning he hadn't went to the cross, experienced death, burial, resurrection, and ascension yet. But even though it says here he wasn't yet given, there were those who experienced it early. John the Baptist in the womb, Jason, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. There were several people in Scripture that really experienced the Holy Spirit in a unique way prior to the cross. So from there, let's go to Isaiah um, 55. I want to read, I think, the first two or three verses there. Isaiah 55. Remember those words, thirst, drink. Isaiah 55, 1, 2, and 3. Isaiah 55, 1, 2, and 3 says this. Ho, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. Everyone who what? Come to the waters. And then he says this. You who don't have money, but when I was a youth pastor, that was definitely me. I'm like, that scripture, you preaching, that is, okay. You who don't have money, come and what? Buy and eat. Notice, you don't have money, but I want you to come and buy it and eat it. Yes, come buy wine. It's always symbolic of the movement of the Holy Spirit, really the joy of the Lord. It's celebratory. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. You got to be thirsty. He says, you have no money, but I want you to come and buy something. And he tells you again, but the way you buy it is without money and without price. And then he says this, why do you spend your money for what is not bread? And why do you spend your wages for what doesn't satisfy? Huge to me right there. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Now, John 4. You guys okay? 
Tracking with me? Okay, this is John 4. I love this. John 3 of chapter 4 says, Jesus is leaving Judea and he's departing again into Galilee. Now watch this. Verse 4, but Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Somebody say he needed to go. Mm -hmm. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, which I looked it up in my office this morning. Literally in the Bible app, it says it means drunken. Just, Just interesting. He literally came to a city of Samaria, which is called drunken, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being tired from his journey, sat thus by the well. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me what? A drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Now we know one restaurant they wasn't going to. If you knew, just hang out a little bit and you'll figure out what restaurant that was. 100%. 100%. But the Spirit of God has never rested on you so strongly, brother, when you said that. We know that he wasn't, they weren't going to Popeyes. Okay, so the woman of Samaria said to Jesus, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Mm-hmm. Jesus answered and said to her, I love this. If you knew the gift of God, and if you knew who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, then you would have been asking of him, and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, she still ain't got it yet. The woman said to him, sir, you don't even got nothing to draw water with. Why are you sitting at a well with no bucket? And she said, matter of fact, this well is deep. This ain't like other wells. This well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Jesus is talking about spiritual things, but she's missing it because she's only naturally minded. Listen, though. But, but the persistence of Christ uh, just is beautiful to me. She says to him, are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well? And in case you don't know the answer to that, yes. He, he could have said, I made Jacob. And are you greater than Jacob who gave us the well, who drank from it himself? Yes, as well as did his sons and all of his livestock. Yes, he is. Jesus answered and said to her, yeah, but whoever drinks of this water from this well, they will what? They're going to get thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will what? I just heard something in my heart right there. Wow. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I was reading from the Mirror Bible today, and he said this. His translation said this. I will form in you an artesian spring. The woman said to him, sir, well, give me this water. I'm tired of making this journey from, you know, Chickasha down here every day. I don't want to come here and draw water no more. Jesus said to her, I tell you what, because I'm giving you all this revelation, but you, you didn't go to Bible school. You, you're not getting it. Go call your husband and come back here. The woman answered and said to him, uh, I don't got one of those. 
Jesus said, no, you you definitely telling the truth when you told yourself you don't have a husband because you had five. I mean, this lady right here, boy, like housewives of Samaria. Like they starting their own show. So you've had five of them and ain't none of them satisfied you. See, we have our own colloquialisms that we use. If somebody, if, if, Okay, Kristen, I can do this without you getting mad. If I said, Kristen is very thirsty, and every guy knows she's thirsty, that means something to us. <laughs> this lady was thirsty. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what he's talking about. Just Anyway, just Google it. Or ask somebody 30 and under, and we gonna, we'll be all right. I know you've had five and you're shacking up with one right now and he's not yet your husband. This is, Jesus was telling it like it is, right? And the woman said to her, I, look, I always laugh at this next verse, verse 19. She, after, after all this, she said, sir, I perceive you to be a prophet. And I'm going to give you the Captain Obvious Award, Right? And then she tries to throw Jesus off of the trail here because he's honing in on her now. So thus far, man, this is so good. Thus far, it's hit me right now as I'm talking. We have a woman. We have a well. We have discovered a wound. Yet there is a word that's coming. Our father, she said, worship on this mountain. But you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. See, there was a division between the Jews and Samaria. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. There's an hour coming when you won't, it won't make no difference whether you worship God on this mountain in the holy city of Jerusalem. Or whether you worship God on any hill. He said it won't matter. He says, as a matter of fact, you worship what you don't even really know. We worship for salvations of the Jews. We know what we worship. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Because the Father, Abba, Papa, Daddy is seeking such to worship him. For God is a spirit. And those who worship him, you must do it in spirit and in truth. And things are starting to click now. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus did something that he only did a few times in the gospel this plainly. He said, the one who's speaking to you right now, that is who I am. I am Jeremiah's prophecy. I am Ezekiel's prophecy. I am Isaiah's prophecy. I'm Genesis 3.15. I am the seed of the woman, the one that tells you all things. This is me. And you know what hit that woman's soul? I call it wonder. Why did she go to the well? Because she was what? At this point in the conversation, verse 27 says, his disciples came back, not from Popeye's, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Why? Because in his day, you just didn't do that, specifically at a well in the middle of the day, specifically a Jew being a Samaritan, specifically, I'm going to call it a streetwalker. 
a thirsty woman who had a little bit of a reputation. You didn't do that. Yet nobody dared say, why are you talking to her for Jesus? They didn't want to ask him that. And watch this. This doesn't make sense. Watch, watch verse 28. If you got a Bible that you can't write in, get rid of it and get one that you can write in and underline this. Then the woman left her and went her way into the city. So she walked out there in the heat of the day, already thirsty because she's going there. She can't go there in the morning, which is when you're supposed to go to the well, because that's when all the other ladies from the village go to the well. But she can't go there with all the other ladies because she's probably been with all the other ladies' men. She has a reputation. So she has to go at the most obscene time of the day, in the heat of the day, when the water is going to be a little bit more warmer at that time of the day anyway. But that's the only time she can go. And so she goes to the city at the hottest time of the day to get some water, carrying her water pot, gets there, and she got a drink without drinking. She, she, she drank without drinking. So much so that the Bible said that she left her water pot there. So she came all the way from the village, all the way to where the well was, to get a drink. She didn't get a drink, but she drank. So excited about it, left her water pot there, having never drank, yet drank, and makes that whole journey back into the city again. You know what happened to her is what verse 14 said. You came to the water, to, to, to this well, to get a drink, not knowing you were carrying a well. This is, this is crazy to me. But the water that I shall give you will become in you a fountain of water springing up in the everlasting life. So that you don't got to go back to just that church again and get a drink. If you want to get a drink driving down the road, get a drink. If you want to get a drink at your cubicle, get a drink. If you want to get a drink changing the tire on your car, get a drink. If you want to get a drink at the gym, you get a drink. Because what you've been doing is you've been running to all these places trying to get something when you didn't know, according to Francois de Troyes, that you have an artesian spring from heaven born on the inside of you. Jesus. Verse 29. She left her water pot, went back into the city, the place of her own embarrassment, and she said to the men, <laughs> she said to the men, now you can see, anyway, you got to just think, y'all know how women are about this stuff, right? When she walked down the street, every woman knows who she is. The city, her little village wasn't that big. Now whose house is she washing dishes? Whose house is she going to today? I know she ain't coming to my driveway. Fred! Why, why, why Lucille at the door? This, this before swipe left to right. If you're 40 or over, once again, just ask somebody. She, she was the only fans in Samaria. She was the one. This her. She went to the men of the city. I got to go because my time is leaving. Listen to what she said to the men of the city. Verse 29. 
She said, come and see a real man. This is capital M in my Bible. Come see a man. This would have been the son of man that Daniel spoke of. Come see a man who taught me all things that I ever did. Could this not be the Christ? She went to the men of the city and told them, come see a man (laughs) who told me all things that I ever did. Could this not be the Christ? Remember to her, the way she would know that Christ was the Christ, to her, Jesus met her where she she was. To her, she said, I know him because when he comes, he'll tell me all things I ever did. Now, I didn't hear him run through her life story. I just heard him say, you've been with five dudes. You own number six. And obviously, if if the first five ain't work, this number six ain't going to work either. And that was enough for her to say, sir, I perceive you to be a prophet. He talked to her about some doxology, about some worship, and it moved her heart. He said, it don't matter if you worship at Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart or Target or at that mountain uh, in, in 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 your village or your city or at the holy city where I live at the temple. None of that matters to God. Because what God really wants is worship born out of a person's spirit, in spirit, and in truth. That's what he's desiring. And she couldn't take it anymore. She forgot her water pot and took off, left Jesus standing there. And for some reason, she wants to go back to the place of her biggest embarrassment, the men that she's been with. You know when you really discover the gospel? Because the gospel will put you back in some places where you've been hurt and you will minister love back in that place. That's gospel, man. I was sharing a story with Chris this morning. Probably one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done, the most hurtful things I've ever done to anybody. And I've asked the Lord on several occasions, would you please let me experience redemption in this area? This is probably 10 or 12 years ago. I'm back home and I'm preaching in a revival. Man, I was so, it was a mess. It was the biggest church I'd ever been in building-wise, Jason. It sat about 12 to 1,500 people, something like that. Rock Church of God in Lumberton, North Carolina. And I'm excited. Now, they didn't have 1,500 people. They didn't, they didn't have that, but the building was nice. And as a preacher, you understand, I can say, boy, I preached at the Rock Church of God. Bless God. Y'all know about that. But anyway, had a couple hundred people there. And where I'm from, if you tell people off from the pulpit, they think it's good preaching. Like, well, he told us off, didn't he? Who was good tonight? What? If you preach on sin to them, it's good preaching. And as I'm talking, I remember saying, Cameron, the problem is y'all ain't calling out sin anymore. I was old covenant minded, see. And I said, we had a a, a guy who was a real well-known pastor in the area, pastor of one of the largest churches in that day, who had just committed adultery, lost his church ministry, his wife, lost everything. And I, in my ignorance and immaturity, Mike, stood up and said, I'm going to do what nobody else is with it. I'm going to call it out. Not only did I call it out, I called his name out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Not knowing that his wife was sitting in the crowd. And I'm preaching and people saying amen. But I could tell the atmosphere shifted when I said that. All right, I get done. You know, I'm feeling like God's man of faith and power. I brought a white rag because Benny Hinn had a rag. I was wiping my I wasn't even sweating, but I was wiping my head because that's what, that's what pastors do. You know. Whew. Like God used me tonight. All I did was manifest in that meeting. And I, and I put a few scriptures in there to justify it. Man, I heard that woman. 
Her kids would have been about this high at that time. A lady came up to me at the service, another young lady about my age at the time. And she said, Pastor, I want to ask you about something you said. You know, and I, and I, I spiritualized it and made it seem, well, that's not what I was doing. It was what I was doing. though. That's been 10 or 12 years ago. <clears throat> this, is, this is the faithfulness of God. Two or three days ago, I made a post on social media and a young lady reached out to me and said, can you tell me um, more about essentially what you said? I said, the greatest exorcism I've ever seen is when Jesus cast the devil out of our image of, our image of God, how we view God. And she, she, she replied, and, I'm, and, I, and I sent her an audio because I don't, don't want to type all that out, just a quick audio on, on, on Facebook. Uh, I DM'd her, I guess is the right way to say it. But anyway, she said, thank you so much. That really, really helped me. I've been trying to learn about this. And, and I saw her last name, and it never crossed my mind. We're in this conversation. It never crossed my mind who this young lady could be. I was home a couple of months or several months ago. I spent some time from 1030 at night to 430 with this pastor and his leaders. And we, we wept and we cried and we wept and we cried and we wept and we cried. And I said, man, one of the worst things I've ever done was this. In my immaturity, I did this. And he said, I know that lady's son. I'm, I'm, I'm really good friends with her son. He said, I always wonder why, when I, I, whenever I brought you up, why he would be like, I hate that guy. He said, you can't know Josh Jones and hate him, can you? Depends on what you heard. This young lady, I'm in conversation. I didn't put two and two together. Come to find out, this is the daughter of that lady. And I'm like, she has to know who I am. 100%. This is the, this is the grace of God to me. I didn't put two and two together, but I knew she was from, I knew she was a Lumbee Indian like me. I knew she was from North Carolina as I'm typing. And I said, so where are you from in North Carolina? She said, I, I don't live in North Carolina. She said, I live in Missouri right now. I'm in Bible college. She said, I've been really wanting to come to your church. Still has not clicked. So I thought, well, who is her? And I went back and I, who was her? I clicked on Facebook and I clicked on more information. And her mom popped up and it said who her mom was and I went. Hold on, hold on, no, no, I busted out in tears. God had always been so in love in my heart for the people that I hurt the most. And I'm getting a chance now to really walk in redemption in this area. Do you understand how much God wants to meet us where we are? Whatever your well is, he'll meet you at that well. This lady runs into town, tells every man, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is that not this to Christ? They come back out of the city to where he is. And then the story gets really good. But let me just take a few moments because time's passing and just give you some simple thoughts from this passage in regards to Jesus. Remember the last couple of weeks we've talked about this. God meets ordinary people. That's first. You don't got to be a pastor or a worship leader or a pope or be in ministry. The reality is you're in ministry whether you like it or not because you are a son or daughter of God, period. Don't matter if you're an auto mechanic Single dad, single mom, entrepreneur, teacher, you know, work at a cafe, doesn't matter. You're not a part-time Christian. You are a full-time son or daughter of God. He meets ordinary people, and he meets them where? Ordinary places. He met Moses at a bush on the backside of a desert. Right? He met this lady. He encountered this lady at a well. There ain't a synagogue in sight. There is no church anywhere 
insight, right? So he meets this woman at a well, and we find out really quickly there's thirst happening. She came to get a drink. Jesus came to give her a drink. But when she arrives, before she gets to say anything, Jesus says, hey, give me something to drink. Let me speak to your thirst by telling you about mine. Now, if you were God, would you ever be thirsty? I'm reminded of Psalms 50, where God speaks to Israel. And he says this. He said, I own the cattle on a what? Now, everybody knows that verse, but nobody knows it in context. He said, I own the cattle upon a what? A thousand hills. He said, all the beasts of the forest are mine. Then he says this. He said, as well as all the fowls of the air. He said, they're all mine. He said, I'm done with all of your sacrifices and all of your burnt offerings. And then he says this. He said, if I were hungry, he said, I wouldn't even tell you of it. Because what can you give me? I'm God. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you of it. Yet Jesus says right here, he says, I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. What does God thirst for? (laughs) Is it another worship service? Is it another... You know, sermon that we try our best to hear his heartbeat and give out of people. What does God thirst for? Man, think about it. God said, give me a drink. And this woman said, you know, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't got any dealings with one another. But what does God thirst for? I love this. In John 4.10, we understand this now, that God has gifts for his kids. If you knew the gift of God. Everybody say this. God is gracious. Come on, say God is gracious. I want to ask you something. Was this woman behaviorally, was she sinful? Did she have a sinful reputation? Had sin separated her from the people around her? But had sin separated her from God because she's sitting with God at a well and God is not running from her in light of her sin. Because we take scripture out of context and when you take text out of context, you're left with what? Con. Here you see a woman sitting inches from God not being separated from him even though her life was evidently sinful. But even in her evidently sinful life, God says, don't you know, God through his son Jesus said, don't you know that the Father has gifts for you? I'd have been like, gifts? Have you seen my church attendance? Matter of fact, Jesus said, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, you would be asking me for something and I would give you what he called living water. So I want you to see the thirst there. That's really, really important to me. One more time. Put up Isaiah 55 again for me, Miss Sherry, if you don't mind. I want to just read this to you. Isaiah 55 is so beautiful to me. And if you want to do some devotion, just take that whole chapter and run through it. Everyone who thirsts, come by. Come to the waters. Come and buy when you don't have any money. Come buy wine. Come buy milk without money, without price. If you thirst, he said, come. If you thirst, come. He said, why are you spending your money on things that's not bread. Your hard-earned wages for stuff that wouldn't satisfy you. 
You know what religion does? Religion says keep on spending. Keep on spending. Keep on spending. What you need is you need to read the Bible just one more time. What you really need is just one more prayer meeting. Nothing against reading the Bible and nothing against prayer meeting. I love them both. What you need is you need to fast one more time. What you need is to go to church service one more time. What you need is one more Bible verse to memorize. What you need, religion is never done. And the two favorite statements of religion is try harder and do more. Try harder, do more. Try harder, do more. Try harder and do more. And this lady had tried very hard, five times hard. And working on the sixth one. Trying to fill spiritual voids with natural means. Trying to fill spiritual voids with natural means. Been through six men, five times. You sent out five invitations for five different marriages and invited those same people five times. Are you kidding me? And they still came. And you've been on the sixth man and had nothing happened yet. You are thirsty. And yet Jesus says through Isaiah, why don't you come to me and I'll let you buy something that really doesn't even require your money. But let me tell you what it does require, thirst. And you understand natural thirst, but has spiritual thirst hit your belly yet? She drank by listening. No, no, she drank by listening. Now let's look at John 7. I got to wrap this up. Let's look at John 7. I have less than 10 minutes. Let's look at John 7. Verse 37. On the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried saying, if anybody thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has says, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. What is drinking in the kingdom? It is believing. I said, what is drinking in the kingdom? It is believing. Do you know why we manifest the way we do in church? In the the American Western church culture, we manifest what we manifest because of what we've been believing. We believed in a God that killed his son so he wouldn't have to kill you. We believe that sin actually separated you from God. Come on. Stuff we believe all the time. We believe we get saved so we don't have to go to hell. Another religious lie. We believe we get saved because we go to this place called heaven. We miss the beauty of the gospel. That we miss John 17 and 3, that this is eternal life. That you may know the Father and his Son whom he has sent. This is eternal. You have eternal life in you right now. We miss the real beauty of the kingdom. We can't see the forest because of all the religious trees. Believing, drinking is believing. And when you believe a lie, you empower the lie. She drunk from Christ by believing what he says. And even though she came thirsty, as as he is speaking, she is listening. And she getting so filled up that she didn't even say stop. She just said, I'm gone. And she took off. She left her emptiness there with him. She said, I don't even need this no more. I'm going to leave it with you. Yeah, you lay your burdens down, you lay your water pots down. She exchanged the water pot and got a whale on the inside. She exchanged an external water pot and he put within her an inside whale. This is the gospel, friend. The gospel is if you want to go deep into it, everything you need has already been deposited on the inside of 
you, this is the gospel of Jesus. She exchanged a water pot for a well. Crazy to me. Crazy to me, Jesus. Come on, Alyssa, to the stage for me. Start playing. She goes back to the city. This is great. She goes back to the city, to the men of the city. There's so many nuances in this scripture. You can talk about how she's meeting the seventh man, the perfect man. She's beating him. You can talk about how she's finally meeting a man who wants to touch her for all the right reasons in all the right places. A man that spoke to her and he spoke to her real need. Didn't mention nothing about her eyes or her thighs. He spoke to her about real stuff. You got real wounds, ma'am. You got real wounds, ma'am. The disciples come back from town, Caitlin. As they come back, they see her running off while Jesus was talking to her. And they didn't have the audacity to say, why are you talking to her? Because, you know, her skin ain't our color. She, realistically, they believe politically different than we do. They Jews and we Samaritans, Jesus. So there was a racial barrier. Jesus crushed it. There was a political barrier. Jesus crushed it. The three main things of our day. There's definitely a gender barrier here. And Jesus crushed that too. He crushed it and he crossed all of them. And they said, um, why? They wanted to say, why are you talking? They didn't have the guts to do it. This is what happened. In the meantime, the disciples said, verse 31, Rabbi, eat. And Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And here they are thinking naturally. Therefore, the disciples said, did somebody else bring you something to eat? Look at verse 34. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know the thing that that the father said, you know what feeds me? Jesus said, you know what feeds me is when I do the thing my father sent me to do. And in this case, it's meet up with broken women at wells. It's sit down with tax collectors in their house. It's, it's, it's mingle with the lepers of our day. That's what Jesus did. That's what he spent most of his time doing. He spent a little time in synagogue, but a whole lot of time he spent with broken individuals. And he said, this is a thing that feeds me. And then he says, in the natural, he says, how many months is it? Until harvest comes since you planted all that seeds. And they said, well, it's about four months. He says, I want you to lift up your eyes because the harvest is already white. Now we got four more months left, Jesus. Jesus says this, he who reaps receives wages that gathers a fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this saying is true, one sows what another man reaps. I'm sending you to reap a place you haven't even sowed that others who labored, you will enter into their labors. They're like, what are you talking about? And at just that moment, coming over the hill, led by a woman, which didn't happen either, is this woman who's got all these men coming behind her. Jesus sowed a seed in Samaria. And he said, this seed doesn't take four months. It's only going to take a couple hours. And she's coming over the hill with a whole bunch of men behind her. Look at verse 39. 
And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Jesus because of the word of the woman who testified, saying of him, he taught me all that I ever did. But when the Samaritans came to Jesus themselves, they said, will you stay with us? And the word of God stayed there two more days. And many more believed in him because of his own word. And then they said to the woman, now we believed at first because of what you told us about him. But now we've heard him for ourselves. And we testified that indeed this man is the Christ, the Savior of the world. It's one thing to hear somebody else's testimony. But when you hear him, see him, feel him, experience him for yourself, you're, there's, no, there's no encounter like your own personal encounter. You ever heard this? A man with an experience with God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. They said, what you said was convincing, but we came and we heard it ourselves. And we want to know more about it. I won't go there. Maybe next week we'll do it. Jesus sowed a seed in Samaria. A few months, maybe a year or so more after the resurrection of Christ, the disciples and their religious selves had gotten fallen so low with what Jesus had done in Jerusalem, they hadn't left because they thought, Salvation, it's Jews only. But God let persecution come to the church in Jerusalem. And you know what the apostles did? They went in different directions, Bree. And one of those disciples by the name of Philip, guess what town Philip went to? Philip went to Samaria. Which years earlier, Jesus had sowed a seed in that town by a prostitute. And Philip goes, Paul said, one man sowed seed. Another man waters, but God comes and he gives what? He gives the increase. And what St. Fotini had done, even in persecution, Philip goes and he begins to water the seed in the city of Samaria, went into revival. Read Acts chapter 8. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Stand to your feet with me. I want to say this. I don't know what your well is. I don't know what your wound is, but I know there's a word for it. (laughs) I said, I don't know what your well is. I don't know what your wound is, but I know there's a word for it. Her shame met the Savior, and he never said shame on you. He said shame off of you. Watch this. Her brokenness met the man that Isaiah called the repairer of the breach, and he healed all of her wounds. He restored value to her and dignity to her, and history records her as one of the first people to actually go and proclaim the gospel before she went to Bible school. God is good. If you're in this room today and you need to see the beauty of forgiveness and experience it for yourself, I want to give you an invitation to meet my best friend. If you're in here and you say, you know what, Josh, man, I would love to experience the beauty of forgiveness. I want to know what it means for value and dignity to be restored to me. I would love to do that. If it's you, I just want you to be bold with me today because we all come the same way. If that's you and you need that, I just want you to just extend your hands with me right now. If that's you in this room and you need that, I want to give it to you. Would you pray with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your truth, for your spirit that leads us to you. I receive your forgiveness in my life. May the wonder of your word reach down, fill every crevice of my soul. Heal me from my past so that I can righteously live in my present. No shame. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Way family. Can we just put our hands together for those that said yes to that? In Jesus' name. I want to say something. You don't got to go learn the whole, I don't, man, I don't, there's so much of the Bible I don't know before you start sharing what you believe God has done for you. So I want to say this. You don't got to wait. You can leave this place today and call your friend and say, can I tell you something that happened to me today? I met a man at a well. I used to really mess with churches. I would go to churches and I would say this. You know what? I'm in love with another man. They'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm in love with this Jewish man. His name is Jesus. Hey, listen. Come on, Cameron. If you're in this room today, and it may be nobody, if you're in this room today, and you don't have a church home where you can actually call home, and you want to be connected to people that realistically, they really do care about you, I want to give you an invitation to say yes, not just to Jesus today. I want to give you an invitation, watch this, to not be a spiritual orphan. I want to give you an invitation to find yourself a home, and this can be your home today. If you're in this room and you want to say yes to that, would you come and join me right now up front? If there's anybody at all, is there anybody at all, you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know if I have a church home, but I want to find one. I want you to know you can have one right here. I release you now in Jesus' name. Go and have an amazing week. We're going to hang out at that shoe. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.